You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldweg, recorded with Hashem's never ending assistance in Ramah Beit Shemesh, Israel 5782, 2022. This week's Parsha, if you're in Chutzlar, it's Kedoshim in the land of Israel, it's Parsha's Amor. And once again, I'd like to share with you a thought that connects the two Parshas together Parsha's Kedoshim and Parsha's Amor. The end of Parsha's Kedoshim, so the beginning of Parsha's Kedoshim speaks about HaKadosh Baruch Hu's command to the Jewish people, Kedoshim to you, to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? As we find our sage ourselves, Kedushim, Kedusha means moved all, it means separated, it means different, it means special. Just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu, God Himself, as it were, is Mufrash and moved all, He's completely separate and different from all of His reality that He created. So too the Jewish people are enjoined to be special and holy and different. As the famous Ramban says, we need to be, even within the confines of the Torah, we, even within the Avishat Torah commands us, there's an obligation to be mufrash and mufdalim. It's possible to keep the Torah and still to be a novel b'shus to be somebody who does things that are wrong within the letter of the law, so to speak. I'd like to speak about something that we see at the end of Parshas Kedoshim and something that we, we see at the beginning of Parshas Emor. At the beginning of Emor, talks about the Kedusha of the Kehanim, the holiness of the Kehanim, the special nature, their Mechubadim, as the Ramban says, they're people who have to have special self-respect, we have to honor them, one of the ways that they honor, they're honored, or they, the, the self-respect is mit, uh, mitbate, the way it's expressed, is that they are not allowed to become tummy, they're not allowed to become impure, they're not allowed to uh, become impure from coming in contact with with a dead body, except in circum- certain circumstances. There's a Kedusha, a special Kedusha of the Kohanim. I'd like to talk about what does it mean Kedusha in regards to us? What does it mean Kedusha in regards to the Kohanim? How does it apply to us here in our age, our day and age? So, the end of Parshish Kedusha, I'd like to read to you, and the beginning of Parshish Amar, I'd like to read to you. It says the Pasuk, Chapter 20, verse 23. Says the Pasuk, we need to keep the... No, actually, I'm going to back up one more Pasuk. Pasuk Chav Beis, uh, verse 22. It's speaking about the obligation, which we spoke about last week, the importance of being mufrashim, mufdalim, from arayas, from pro- prohibited relationships between man and a woman. And the Torah tells us that we need to protect and keep these laws so that we don't get kicked out of the land of Israel. Lest the land propel you out. The main reason for Gullus, exile of the Jewish people, is because we don't keep the Torah. We don't, we're not special. The Holy Land, the land of Israel, is a special place. And so, in order to be able to stay here, we need to be special. Veleiselchu says the pasuk pasuk chavgimah veleiselchu bechukis hagoya sharanim shalech mipnechem. Don't go in the statutes, the ways of the the non-Jews that I'm kicking out kicking out of the land. Right when the Jewish people came into the land of Israel, so there were seven nations, ten nations here, and they were chucked out. Why were they Why were they kicked out of the land? Why were they Why was there an obligation to destroy them because they were immoral? They were uh, morally reprehensible. They've done all of these reprehensible acts and I found them to be disgusting. So we have an obligation to be holy. 
when it comes to our relationships, the marital relationships, etc. Says the Pasuk, God says to the Jewish people, you are going to receive their land. I will give it to you and you will inherit it. You will give it over as a Yerusha to your children. It's a very special land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's a prosperous land. I am Hashem your God. So, principle number one that we see over here, incredible thing. You want to know who has the right to live in the land of Israel? Who has the right to live in Eretz Yisrael, in this holy land? It's those who are holy. The, the holy nation, the Jewish people, who keep the Torah, who se- we separate ourselves. We are distinct from the other nations. We're an Am We're a special nation, a unique nation. What other things do we see besides, of course, for these uh, the, rela- the marital relations, which it's it's worth thinking about. I'm not going to discuss it really so much here, but it's worth considering. This is perhaps the essence of what makes the Jewish people special: is our commitment, our commitment to keeping ourselves holy in this area, like we spoke about last week. But there's another thing, of course. There's many things. The whole 613 commandments of the Torah revolve around this specialness of the Jewish people. But the Torah also singles out, Just like the Jewish people are a unique nation, and we emulate and represent God who is unique, is unique and special compared to His creation. The Jewish people are unique and special in comparison to the nations of the world. So too, we represent that by what we eat. The types of animals that we are permitted to eat. There are many animals, and there are some that are considered Torah and some that are considered Tameh. There's a Havdalah, there's a separation between pure animals and impure animals. Very interesting. In also, in regards to birds, there are certain birds that are considered pure and some that are impure. And we could say that it has to do with perhaps the very essence, the character of <coughs> Excuse me. Each of these animals, each of these birds. Don't uh, don't do something which is disgusting by eating animals and birds. All that crawls on the earth. Anything that's impure. Says God says to the Jewish people, "You shall be holy to me, because I am holy." Right? And I've separated you from amongst the nations to be for me. You're mine. The Jewish people represent God in the world, and therefore we are different, we are separate. And I think it's, you know, it keeps coming up in my mind to mention, it's an important thing to know that the Jewish people who live in the land of Israel today, currently, of course, there are certain movements which developed in Europe and in the United States. They consider themselves, and those who are halachically Jewish, of course, they are Jewish, even if they don't keep the Torah. But these movements, so they separated from the Torah, they separated from halacha, they separated themselves. There are many of them who are unfortunately atheistic, and the result is that many of their children are not Jewish, grandchildren are not Jewish. But those movements, they do not exist in the land of Israel almost at all. They try to gain a foothold every once in a while. We hear about them making some noise at the Kotel. But for the most part, they didn't make their way in. And it's a very beautiful sign that Kosh who gave us currently 
that those who keep the Torah, those who are committed to the Torah, of course not everyone in Israel is from, not everyone here keeps the Torah, but for the most part, those that um, on, a, on a large scale deny the, the Torah, the significance and importance of the Torah, those people don't really have a place, they don't have a foothold really in Israel, because that's what the essence of Israel is, it's a holy place. Those who keep the Torah, of course, today, as we see, if you look over the history for the last 75 years, we see that the, the, those who are committed to the Torah are getting stronger. The projections are that in, in 50 years, those who are completely committed to Haredim, etc., will represent a majority of this country. So it's important to think about that. But that's, that's Kiddushim to you. Those who make themselves holy, that's who has a right to be in the land of Israel. And, of course, we represent godliness in the world. The ish, uh, interesting, I don't want to get into this either, but it's worth reading. The ish, you know, it's worth hearing. Isha, even if we don't get into the depth of it, a person can find out information, can get access, seances, other kinds of ways of accessing and speaking to the dead. Don't do that, the Torah says. You want to know what's permitted to find out. You want to know what God wants you to know. You want to know information about the future. You want to know where there's a lost object. Even you go to the you go to the Nevim, You go to the prophets. We don't go. We don't find out information from those who are forbidden, who are accessing the information in a dark way, using dark magic, etc. But Ebenezer they have to die. Somebody who is involved in that, it's a death penalty. Okay, so we have to be holy. We have to access holiness. We have to fulfill the Torah. We have to be chaste. We need to use our uh, creative powers, the ability to create children, you have to use it in the correct way, with the correct hagdaris, the correct boundaries. That's the end of Parshish Kedoshim. And we need, to, we need to access spiritual information only in a holy way, and we need to eat foods that are special, and to the degree that we are able to do this, we get to live in this special land called Eretz Yisrael, the Holy Land. Another aspect of Kedusha is the beginning of Parshat Amor. So, there's an obligation to say, Moshe Rabbein was told to tell the Kohanim, speak to them and say, Don't become impure. Only to those who are close to him. The seven Krovim, the seven uh, relationships that are the closest, his brother, his sister, his mother, his father, his sister, who's not married, etc. So these seven, he's allowed to become impure. But generally speaking, otherwise you can't. They're not to shave. They're not to, to etch anything into their skin. They're not to scratch themselves. There's a special kedusha. There's a special holiness. The Kohan represents the Jewish people. They serve inside of the mikdash. They serve inside of the temple. They act as the teachers of the Jewish people. Somebody who's on a higher level has to have a higher level of Kedusha, has to be more moved or more special. They can't, certain women, they can't marry. We can't marry someone who's been, uh, who's been with a person who's inappropriate for her, who's been married to somebody inappropriately. A Kohen cannot marry a, a divorcee. There's a, an even greater level of Kedusha and holiness and Havdalah, a separation that's Shaykh to the Kohanim. Now, I don't want to get so much into the specialness of the Kohanim, that's not 
what I'd like to discuss today, because I want to speak in a general way, of course. Many people, there are Kohanim today, and they need to know about the specialness. They need to know that they are Muvdolim. Even today, even though we're all Tmeimes, we are, are all impure to the dead. Nevertheless, Kohanim are not allowed to come in contact with the dead, even today, except for the seven, the Shiva Karevim, these seven uh, closest relationships. But what I would like to read to you is a medrash at the beginning of our Parsha, Parsha's Amor, beginning of the Parsha for Eretz Yisrael. And I think it's connected to what we spoke about at the end of Kedoshim, and it's connected to each and every one of us, something that we can take home, understand, and know. The What does it mean, Kedusha? As we've been saying the whole time, Kedusha means Mukdash, Mufrash, Muvdal, holy, separated, special. Just like Hashem is special, HaKadosh Baruch Hu does things on a higher plane. God does things on a higher plane than humankind. Right? God is on a much higher level than all of us. He is infinitely greater than all of us. See, beyond anything that we can conceive, but we do find things out about God. And from the things that we see, we can emulate those things, and we can, be, we can, we can be mukdashim umuvdalim as well. And here's the the Medrash brings two simple examples, two important things, which I think we can all take home with us and think about and, con- and contemplate how we can incorporate this idea, these ideas into our lives. Pasuk says, as we just quoted, beginning of Parshas Zemor, say to the Kohanim, the sons of Aaron, Rabbi Tanchim uh, explained, he brought a Pasuk in his introduction to Parshas Zemor. Pasuk says, it's a Pasuk in Tehillim, in Psalm chapter 12, verse 7, Imreis Hashem, Imreis Tehireis. The words of Hashem, it says here, Emor Lakanim, B'nei Aaron, say, to the Kohan and the sons of Aaron, he uses the Lashon of Amira, which is, sometimes the Torah says, Daber, speak. Sometimes it says, Amor, different languages for Amira of speaking. What is the concept of Amor? What is the concept of speaking with this word Amira? What does it mean? So the Pasuk and Talon uses the same word and speaks about that which God spoke, Imreis Hashem, Imreis Tahiris. They are pure words. These are pure statements. So, the Medrash is now going to Darshan. The Medrash later on, I'm not going to read it inside, but the Medrash in section Gimel, as the Eitzhah explains, uh, you know, the continuity here, because we're going to, it's not so connected to the concept of Kohanim, which is the subject of our Parsha, Parsha Zemor, but the, it does connect. There's a, Imreis Tahiris is a purity, right? And that's how we're going to relate it to us. There's a purity in regards to the Kohanim, God spoke of pure things in regards to the Kohanim, that there's a specialness of the Kohanim, the fact that they can't become Tamimais, the fact that they can only marry certain kinds of people, that's the purity in regards to the Kohanim. But there's another purity in regards to the speech of Hashem, which we can relate to. Imrais Hashem, Imrais Tahiris, Imrais Basar Adam, Amor Tahiris. What does it mean? Points out, points out the Medrash, Rabbi Tanchum explains, it says, Imris Hashem, the words of Hashem are pure. So that implies that the words of Hashem are pure, but not the words of human beings. There's something much more pure, and we need to learn from this, of course, there's something much more pure about the words of Hashem. What's pure? So the Medrash comes to explain by giving us an example from the world. A king, a flesh and blood king, comes into 
his, you know, into sections of his country. He wants to explore and see what's going on in his country. He wants to see what the people need. He wants to come and help them. So he comes into a place. Everyone comes out to greet the king. They praise the king. They sing, you know, Baruch HaMelech. Welcome to the king. So the king is praised and he enjoys the praise. So in response, in response to the praise that the people give to the king, so the king promises them that tomorrow, you know, in the coming days he's going to build for them different types of bathhouses, different amenities that they need. I'm going to bring in uh, water, I'm going to bring in the pipes for the water that you need. Okay, so he makes promises because they have praised him. Now, a human being makes a promise, a king makes a promise, so he means it, he's serious about it, he plans to do it, he's gung-ho, he's ready to go, but what happens? He goes to sleep and he doesn't wake up the next morning. A king, a king can die. A human being can die. So you can make a promise, won't necessarily be able to keep the promise. There's no guarantees. But but God is not like that, clearly. God is absolute truth. Pasuk says in Yermia, chapter 10, verse 10. What is the idea that God is absolute truth? Hashem is truth. The Hemshech of the Pasuk, the end of the verse says, God is a living God and He lives forever. God, when He says something, when Hashem says something, His promise is gold. He's forever. God doesn't disappear. God remains. He's outside of time. He exists without changing. God makes a promise. God keeps the promise. As opposed to a human being. So, the word of Hashem is gold. It's absolutely pure. Because when God says something, God means His, God means it. And there's nothing to stop Hashem from fulfilling His word. God makes a promise. God keeps the promise. So, when we talk about purity, we talk about Kedusha. The Medrash is telling us that you want to know what it means to be godly. It means you make a promise and you keep the promise, obviously to the best of your ability. But Hashem's promises are absolute. We want to be Torah, we want to be pure, we want to be Kadesh, we want to be holy like God. We keep our promises. We make a commitment, we keep our commitments. Imris Hashem, Imris Tahir, the second part of the Pasuk, what's the second aspect? Beautiful thing. We find that when Hashem speaks, God has an option in His Torah of how He expresses things. And we find that every single extra word in the Torah, if there's an extra word, it's the Jrashaba. It comes to be explained. We have Midrashim going into the finest minutia of the verse. Sometimes it's an extra letter. Sometimes it's an extra word. Sometimes it's an extra phrase. Every single thing is carefully chosen by Hashem when He, when he wrote this in, in His Torah. But we find that there are eight extra letters that Hashem uses because He didn't want to say something negative. He only wants to say it in a positive way. Pasuk says, from, it's a Pasuk in Bratius, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 8, 
from the animals that are pure and from the animals that are not pure. Plus it could have said from the animals that are impure. God didn't want to use the word tame. He didn't want to say the word tame. Instead he said that are not pure. So Hashem used eight extra letters that were unnecessary by saying the word inanatahira, not pure. Two, two words, inanatahira, not pure, as opposed to the one word, impure, tame. You find that sometimes the verse says an extra two or three words in order to say something positive instead of saying something negative. Another verse it says, from the animals that are not pure. It doesn't say that are impure. That is not pure. Okay? Also, in, I think it's in Parsha Zemur, when it wants to speak about, well, no, I'm sorry, it's not. It's uh, earlier, a few Parshas, it's, it's in Sefer Vayikra, it's a few Parshas ago, right? Parshas meaning. So, it talks about the, the kosher animals, the non-kosher animals, right? And when it speaks about the animals that are not kosher, so it tells us that there are certain animals that have one kosher sign but don't have the other kosher sign. And it first talks about the kosher sign that it does have and then tells about us about the sign that it doesn't have. It goes to the positive first before speaking about the negative. It doesn't say the gamal is not kosher because it doesn't have split hooves. Ella kimalagera. First, it tells us that it does shoot its cud, and it doesn't have split hoofs. When it talks about the shafan, so a certain kind of animal, it doesn't say that it doesn't have split hoofs. When it comes to each of the different animals, the Torah tells us about their they have one kosher sign, but they don't have the other. It first tells us the kosher sign, then it tells us what they're lacking. We see that the Torah goes out of its way to be optimistic and positive. That's Imrais Hashem, Imrais Tahiris. The words of Hashem are pure. Okay, so this is very important. This is foundational. We spoke about the end of Parshas Kedoshim, and here we have the beginning of Parshas Amor. The Amira, the way that we speak, the way that God speaks, and the way that we need to emulate His speech. God speaks optimistically. Even when He's still talking about something negative, He still speaks optimistically. Either He changes it around, the way that it's said, to, to not say the negative word, or he speaks first about the positive before speaking about the negative. Such an important thing. You know, I'm, I've told this story many times, but, but I want to repeat it. Uh, as a bacher, 20, more than 20 years ago, when I was uh, learning in Yeshiva Smir, I remember a story that happened. I was sitting in, and my chavrus had gone to use the facilities, and I was sitting there and, and I was singing, singing in the base medrash. People sing, it can be distracting for others. And I was singing out loud. I wasn't exactly learning, I must admit. And um, the guy next to me says, you know, you have such a beautiful voice. I'm like, oh, thank you very much. I was very complimented. He said, but it's distracting me from my learning. Do you mind to be a little bit more quiet? And I said to him, you know, that's the nicest way anybody ever told me to be quiet. I really appreciated it. But when you start off with a positive, it changes the whole thing. It changes the whole thing. You can say the same thing to someone I was telling my daughter last night. Somebody was saying something nice to her. I said, you know, you can tell a person that, that this, this thing that you said hurts your feelings. And you can preface it by first saying, I know you didn't mean to hurt my feelings, but when you say that, 
my feelings are hurt. When you first say to a person something positive, and then you say to something that, you know, they need to hear, it can change the whole tone of it. It can change the whole way, the whole gisha. So, again, Kedoshim to you. Kedoshim to you has to do with purity in our relationships, has to do with the purity in what we eat, has to do with how we enter into the land of Israel, what it means to be spiritual, spiritual the way the Torah asks us to be spiritual. And we talk about the, the Kayhanim and their purity and their specialness. And finally, we have these last two points, which is we want to emulate HaKadosh Baruch, we want to emulate Hashem's purity. And when it comes to Imreis Hashem, Imreis Hashem, the way that we speak, the way that God speaks when He makes a commitment, it's for real. When we make commitments, it also needs to be for real. And finally, when it comes to the way that we speak, we need to speak like the Torah speaks, the way Hashem speaks, with optimism. Even if we have to say something negative, we need to figure out a, a positive spin on it, a positive way to say it. When we do that, so we are emulating HaKadosh Baruch Hu, His purity, and we become Kedoshim, we become holy, just like God is holy. I want to bless you and ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us to be able to have this holiness, to be able to have this specialness, to be able to do the things that are challenging, but that make us different, that make us special. And this way Hashem should help us, that indeed we should become Kedoshim, pure to Hiram pure in every single way. Thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.